The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. Let's go, baby! Are you ready for a break? Yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Monday, October 15th, 2018, season 14, episode number 60. Welcome to a very special edition of The Break, live from the SBWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. And uh, we're so excited to talk Cowboys football today. Cowboys get a huge win. Probably the most dominating performance they've had. Nick, I think your article said in the last four years, is that right? At least. At least four years. Uh, but the Cowboys win 40-7 at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Made that Jaguars de- Jaguars defense look pretty pedestrian. We'll get into that and talk about what the Cowboys did well, not only on offense, but also on their defense. Uh, it was just a dominating performance all the way around. Welcome to the show. Thank you guys for joining us. Let's jump right in. Let's uh, first start off. There were so many different things that happened in that game, so many different moments in that game. Uh, so we'll go around the table, and I want everybody to tell me what moment sticks out to them, what they came away from that game with as a big picture view. Let's start with you, Dave. What did? Okay, I'm glad. Okay, I'm glad the way you phrased that because my main impression from this is, all right, we'll we'll get into the offense. That's great, good for them. They played a really good game. I can't trust that it's for real until I see it on a more regular basis. What I come away from is once again this defense because uh, that is six times that they have been very good borderline elite. Uh, they held – and Jacksonville's offense is anything to get excited about. I understand that. But, but seven, you do what you do. Yeah. seven points. They're allowing 17.2 per game. They are just now over 100. They got David Irving back. He looks like he's going to contribute to the pass rush. Uh, Sean Lee is presently, as we sit here, he's outside working out despite the fact that it's raining. Now tell them the greatness of that scene, though. It's raining came, pretty steady out there. Came, it's it's forty degrees. If we were shooting a film right now, that would be pretty epic. Like, yes, great shot. But there's no need. It's, you got an indoor field where it's warm and f- good for you to practice in there. No need to get wet. It's forty degrees and storming here in Dallas. <laughs> By the way, feels like thirty-two yeah. because of the wind. Like it's pretty cold. It's raining. It's wet. Sean Lee is out on the outdoor practice field working out his hamstring, trying to get right, probably because he thinks he's got a good shot to play against the Redskins so my point being defense is only going to get better (laughs) and it's dominant already anyway and they proved it again um so yeah that really is what I come away from because I need to see more from the offense the defense just keeps doing its thing Amber you know this isn't even the highlight of what the game was but I was pretty happy to see Jordan Lewis on the field and making some plays and reminding us what he's capable of and it felt nice to be like okay well I didn't just imagine that he could actually play. He actually made it, came out there and made made a name of himself. Also, David Irving coming back again. It's very clear and evident why this team is putting up with what they've been putting up with David Irving. He's an absolute beast, and he showed it the moment he stepped on the field, pressured the quarterback, didn't get a sack, but man, he is a beast. So that that's exciting to see that. We'll get into the offense in a little bit. Nick. Well, I mean, it is the offense. I mean, I, the, no offense to you guys, but you guys aren't really surprised that the defense played well. You have to be surprised with 40 points on the offense. I think that was the key there. Um, it doesn't matter what they're going to do next week or whatever. The point is is that they went out, 
played what was the number one defense in the league, which I don't well, know if they still are now. Yeah, he, he asked what I thought it meant in the big picture, which, yeah, I mean, right. I, absolutely. The offense is the story of the game, for but, sure. But I think it is the big picture because I think it shows you what they, they're capable of doing and that this offensive line is really where it started. It could get back to that type of football where they can kind of dictate things. Now, Jacksonville's defense is still pretty good because they had some issues in the red zone and all that stuff. But I thought – they're finally showing that, you know, you don't have to have a pocket passer. You can play the game the way Cam Newton plays it. This is the type of game that Dak needs to play. He needs to play this type of game right here where he it doesn't matter. He throws it. He gets 260 yards. That's a, that's a good offense right there. It doesn't matter how you're doing it. It's about 260 yards and three touchdowns. That's a good day. Yep. All right, so let's jump in. Let's talk some more specifics. Cowboys offense which you started talking about, Nick. They scored on their first four possessions. They got out to a quick start. Three touchdowns, one field goal. They had 378 yards of total offense, 40 points. Um, they were 7 of 17. That's 41% on third downs, uh, which is a really good number for them. Uh, 23 first downs in this game, 4 of 5 in red zone efficiencies. Four, that five of the times they were inside the 20, four of those times they got touchdowns. Um, and time of possession was completely on their side, 38 minutes and 55 seconds. Talk to me about the differences. What were the differences in what they did yesterday offensively from what they had done, I guess, really, if you look at the the entirety of the season, what was so different yesterday that allowed them to score so so quickly and to score consistently throughout the game? Well, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things you can you can start with. First of all, Penalties, I mean, there's three penalties in the game overall. And that's how many usually are on offense. They were able to, they weren't really behind the chains that much. They did a nice job. Beasley got open a lot. You know, they, they, they found the mismatches there with Beasley. You know, as good as Jacksonville is, they have weak spots. And those weak spots used to play for Dallas. And if you watch, <laughs> Tyler Patman was bad. And Dak called him out. And Barry Church was borderline horrible yesterday. How many times did you see Barry Church whiffing on stuff? So, with the you know, hand clap, you always see the hand clap. That's I tell a bad you, idea. they they found the mismatches there. I mean, stay away from Ramsey, which that was pretty awesome after the game, by the way, because that guy hadn't shut up in two years, and he didn't. He had nothing. Like, what can you say when you, he you, was, know, when you get out forty to seven? I mean, what are you gonna say? I thought it was hilarious because Beautiful. before we got into the game last week. Yeah, you you made a comment about Ramsey. How mm -hmm. oh, you know he talks the talk, but yeah. then he he still will talk if he plays yeah. bad and stuff, and will stand up. I'm a, that I, was very great. I love guys that don't shut up. I love trash talk. I admire it even more when you back it up after it doesn't go your way. And yeah, it's well, a that, it's a bad look. <laughs> well, that was the theme of the whole day. A guy that actually had gotten his ass kicked in the last in the last month. But comes to town and it's like, oh my God, God showed up, you know, and and Conor McGregor. Oh, it's just yeah, like, I was like, stop <laughs> the presses, like Conor McGregor's here, you know, and and it, and he he created this swagger. It's a persona, yeah. It's if he a can persona, get Jeff really Heath dancing, I mean, oh my God, that was unbelievable. <laughs> seeing Jeff, I'm like, I might really seeing this Jeff doing that walk. I'm but glad you brought that up because that's guy. the thing that the thing that I thought made the biggest difference, which. This is easier said than done. They obviously they attacked like right off the bat, and more important than that, I thought they kept the Jags on their heels. Like they were they were not predictable. Shocker. Uh, they what? They ran the ball once on their opening possession, uh, and no, I'm sorry, they ran the ball twice. twice, twice. And Zeke, but Zeke only got one carry. Right. The other thing, misdirection. 
You have a quarterback who can run, and it confuses defenses when you use him that way sometimes. Okay, let me throw this this at you, though. I, and I, I started thinking about this last night because I was trying to figure out what the differences were. Um, and I talked to Brian a little bit about this morning. Some of it he kind of saw as well. But when you think about it from the way Jacksonville plays, this is a really good defense, and I don't think anything that happened yesterday changes the fact that they're a really good defense and has a lot of talent. But I think that the way that they play defense – and the fact that they're probably so arrogant about how they play defense could have contributed to why the Cowboys had so much success, particularly in the first half. Because really, if you go back and watch that game, by the second half, Cowboys offense wasn't moving the ball at will like they were in the first half. And there were two significant things. Number one, I think that the fact that they thought that Tyler Patman could could handle in man coverage, could handle Cole Beasley, and they were arrogant about the fact that they stick with man coverage most of the time, and they were okay with the idea of him covering him, that was a problem, and they acknowledged that by the second half when A.J. Abouye started started covering him in the second half. The other thing is the fact that they don't blitz. They only bring four guys pretty much the entire game. When you start talking misdirection and stuff like that, I think that factors in just as much because we didn't see a lot of situations yesterday where if you're singing, sitting an extra guy, a lot of times when that quarterback tries to boot out, there's a guy usually in his face because they've got more guys coming than just four. I think both of those two things factored into why the Cowboys were so successful in the first half and maybe not as much in the second half when they started to adjust a little bit. What yeah. do you guys think? I absolutely think, uh, much like the Cowboys have done in the past, I think the Jags came in and said, our 11 are way better than your 11 and we can play the way we want to play. We talked about a little bit of it, to your point, I don't understand how you can look at this, and I'm happy they played it this way, but I don't understand how you can look at this Dallas receiving core and not have it be part of your game plan that either Ramsey or Bouye is going to follow Beasley wherever right. he goes. Like, what? We can't, we can't have him down in the slot with Beasley because we need him out here on Hearns, who's got 84 yards all year. Like, really? That's the hill you want to die on? Yeah. Uh, thank, <laughs> thank, like thank you, Jaguars. Like, I appreciate that. Um, but they couldn't do it, and even more so than that, I think they they loaded up and said, you know, we got Telvin Smith and Miles Jack, and we're going to stop you from running it up the gut. And the Cowboys were like, okay, thank you very much. I'm going to pull this and run it right around mm-hmm. the left side for 17 yards. Uh, and, yeah, it looked like it took them some time to adjust to it, which Tel- is Telvin kind of surprising. Smith and, and Miles Jack, to me, I mean, as good as they are, like in pass coverage, I mean, those guys are like big safeties. You know, in fact, Miles My- Jack was a guy that they thought maybe was going to be a safety. So when you could run at them – you know, they are very fast, but they're not guys that. I mean, I saw Rico Gathers and Telvin Smith going at it all all game, like blocking wise. I thought Rico did a nice job on him. So, Rico. Yeah, I mean, he's again had another nice nice catch, and yeah. um, you know, it was it was just it was a dominating effort, and I think it starts with that offensive line. I really do think the Cowboys' offensive line had had a, had a really nice game, and Zeke, you know, ran the ball hard. I mean, it was just. They they just were one step ahead of them all all over the place. I mean, when you want when you want a team to do a complete game, you want them to run the ball well, receivers get open, quarterback make plays on defense, fly to the ball, make turnovers, you know, get pressure, cover your guys, don't have penalties on special teams. It was just probably just the most perfect game you could actually play. Yeah, and credit to the play calling too. You know, the coaches. I think they did a really nice job, especially because we've seen far too often where certain plays that work, they'll just stop doing it. And this time, I mean, they were able to keep it going and keep 
sending out, making those right calls to that would work, especially with Dak, you know, running the ball, finding um, Cole Beasley. That's what I've been saying all year long. Why can't you just find Cole, which is hard to do when he's being covered and stuff. But a lot of times we've seen how he is open and they haven't been able to utilize him well enough. And this time obviously it worked. And I think the energy was outstanding. The fact that you could tell they were having fun on the field that helps a lot. When you're averaging 12 yards per play, football's a lot of fun. That, that's <laughs> right. what Beasley said it like five times last night. He's like, this game's a lot more fun when you win and, you know, when you're part of the when win, everything's too. clicking. I mean, yeah. when that's the thing. It's it's rare in an NFL season when everything is clicking like, like it was yesterday. That's fun when everything's clicking for your team. But most teams experience that. At the best, there are two or three games in a season where everything's clicking like that. It know? just it just makes me wonder. And all credit to the Cowboys, like they played great. They, I mean, they were basically flawless. Um, but even okay, you saw a matchup you liked, and clearly they did. Like they knew Beasley was going to eat on Patman because mm-hmm. Dak said Beasley knew from Tuesday that he was going to have a chance to do this. Yeah. Um, even still, even if you like that matchup, like. Is, is that all it is that you can do this against the best pass defense in the NFL, but, you know, the Houston Texans who are are awful by any objective standard, I mean, 27th in the league, even if they're making a concerted effort, you still can't find ways to make it happen? I mean, is it really that easy? It's just like, well, the matchup was more favorable. Right. I, I do think in today's NFL, I think teams are a lot closer than everybody gives them credit for, which means that those slight differences – is where you can sometimes find and, – and that's why I talked earlier about the arrogance of, Which, of how yeah. they do it. And the Cowboys are the same way. The Cowboys get into that mold of our 11 is better than your 11. And, and that arrogance can sometimes lead them to not take advantage of other opportunities or try to extend themselves beyond just what they think they do best. And I think that was clearly – in my opinion, that was clearly the case yesterday. It's, it's, and I, I really, I'm not trying to take any credit away from Cole Beasley or Dak Prescott. I, they were both great. Um, and I, I was happy for Cole that he kind of got the chance to shut some people up. But uh, it's – I mean, it's crazy to me that, like, the Houston Texans – can take away Cole Beasley just completely. And then, like, the Jags, the mighty Jags, it's just like they didn't have an answer. Look they at his numbers first half and second half. Yeah, And yeah, it tells absolutely. you all you need to know. Like, in the first half, he was having his way on that field. By the second half, it all kind of screeched to a halt. Like, the offense just wasn't which, moving a lot. The turnovers made a big difference, which when you get in that kind of game, mm-hmm. the defense can create some of those turnovers for you. If that and, – and there's a lot more that goes into it. They ran the ball well. And, I, I mean, Dak, Dak – until he proves that he is a more consistently good pocket passer, he needs to be carrying the ball like that every week, I yeah. think. Man, 11 carries is a lot, but at least six, if not eight. You know, that needs to be an element in this offense, I think, if you're going to be uh, balanced and successful. But we see how much better this thing looks when Cole Beasley is part of it. And you just, I mean, you got to do more to get him involved, even if it's not always going to be that easy. Clearly, it just makes so much difference. Let's take our first break. When we come back, I do want to talk about uh, the Jacksonville. I'm sorry, we want to talk about the offensive line for the Cowboys, how they performed yesterday, and then we'll get into the uh, Cowboys defense. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. If you're like me and you love, I mean, if you have a thing, then cutting the cord is scary. But then I found out I could switch to DirecTV now and still get the live sports I love. No satellite needed, no bulky hardware, no annual contract, just... 
and get the live sports you love. Try DirecTV now for $10 a month for three months. Visit DirecTVNow.com. DirecTV Now. More for your thing. That's our thing. Use code REALDEAL. Limited time. Price for a little, little package. After three months, renews monthly at full price. Currently minimum $40 and less canceled. Prices may change. New subscribers only. Cancel any time. Content varies by package and may be limited. Restrictions apply. Star Sports Tours is the only official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, offering exclusive game weekend travel packages with sideline access and photo ops with current players, alumni, and cheerleaders. That's not all, though. You'll get to talk X's and O's with Senior Director of Player Personnel Will McClay and, of course, with yours truly, me, Brian Broaddus. You can trust the official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and with us, you'll travel like a pro. Visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Playmaker, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The Playmaker includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm and a Cowboys can cooler. Go to getjackblack.com cowboys and use the code word COWBOYS. The Jack Black Playmaker, 10 bucks, free shipping. While a player can look good on paper, it's when he's out on the field that you really find out what he's made of. That's why the Cowboys rely on more than stats and scouting reports when building their team. When picking a tractor, it's why you should rely on more than specs and features as well. you got to take it out and put it to the test. The Cowboys did when they named John Deere their official tractor. To experience one for yourself, visit your local Texas John Deere dealer or go to myjohndeerdealer.com slash football. Back to the break. Welcome back. It is the second segment of the break live from the SWBC Morgan Studios at the Star. We're talking about the Cowboys' big win yesterday, 40-7. to They blasted the Jacksonville Jaguars. It was their first win like that in a very, very long time. We're breaking it down for you guys. Let's talk now about this offensive line. I made the point last week that I believe that the offensive line was part of a big part of the reason why this team had not been as successful early in the year. Yesterday, I think they did a, a lot to kind of go the opposite way. They were pretty good most of the game. I still think they had some areas where it wasn't quite the same. I'm still a little bit concerned about Tyron Smith overall. Just he's not as dominant as he once was, in my opinion. But all that being said, I think they did far more than necessary yesterday to get a win. They were they were pretty dominant. What do you guys think? I thought Tyron Smith had a good game. Um, you know, I'm, the other guy over there, I don't know, 91, he, he's a good player. I mean, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Yannick Ngagwe. He's a pro bowler. And he plays like one. And I mean it, it was it was a tough battle there, but but I mean for the most part, I mean that that offensive I mean that defensive front for Jacksonville, you're not gonna face a, a front better than that. So for Connor Calais Cal- uh, Campbell was pretty quiet most yeah, of the time. Yeah, I mean yeah. Malik I mean I, I we're doing a top ten list of, of performers that played in the game like we do every Monday. I don't know what Brian and Rob will vote, but I know that that uh, Dave and I put um, Lyle Collins on there. I thought mm-hmm. Lyle I thought had a really, really well. nice yep. game. Yep. And, I agree. And Connor Williams, obviously. I mean, they they did a good job. You didn't see any holding penalties, really. Was there a holding? Lyle had a block in the back, which on Barry yeah. Church, which, which was was not necessary. It wasn't necessary. It was yeah. like the play was pretty much done anyway. But but I mean, the, uh, just I, I thought the offensive line that was as good a game as, as they've played, and I think. I don't know if they'll face a defensive front seven that's better than that. I don't know. That one next week, we'll get into that. I mean, the one coming up against the Redskins, that's a pretty good defensive front that quietly has become a pretty good defensive front. I haven't front. We'll seen talk them about since it. the Breeze put up 50 on them, so I don't, I don't know. Maybe they're good. <laughs> 
I know that well, I, I, that's get yesterday. I get it. I get it. Dallas can't put up that that kind of firepower. But I'm just saying, I I, I watched them play against New Orleans, and yeah. we'll, we'll see. Yeah, they but got those, some players. I'll just say they got some players. They will break those it down. Those two Alabama later. guys up think, front are good. I don't think Washington's as talented as Jacksonville. I mean, no, no, no. But I think, but I think they're pretty good. The Texans. But have. I think they're pretty good. I think yeah. they're pretty good. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I, it's it's felt like Tyron Smith is not bad. He's a good player, and mm-hmm. he's been way more good than bad throughout the season, but. Maybe he's just not the world erasing. You just can't beat him left. I mean, I really think like from 14 to 16, I don't think there was a better left tackle. I include like Joe Thomas in that. Um, I, he was amazing. Like it was staggering to watch how easily he just kicked people around the field. And no matter how great the opponent he was going up against, yeah, they no. still didn't get around him. That's the part. And I, again, I what hope nobody yesterday? took that. What are, what are, no, what are no, missing? And, and that, that was no. one play where, and it didn't end up, actually it ended up in a positive play for the Cowboys. The Cowboys completed a pass off of it. But Agba, whatever his name is. Nah, Agba. He's got 22 career sacks, guys. I know. I, I just got to, I don't have to know his name. But anyway, uh, he, he just went like right around Tyron on one play. And it was, it was, it was just like, wow, I can't believe he beat Tyron like that. But again, this is not saying that Tyron is a bad player. It's saying I'm not used to seeing Tyron that's get beat at all. The, like this is a guy that's that great. That is exactly the point I was trying to make. And I mean, we saw Frank Clark. Frank Clark had plenty of success against him. Granted, that's on the road. Uh, and obviously, you know, Wad and Clowney are a handful for anybody. But that's yeah. that's the point. Is like I'm just I'm used to being like, oh yeah, Tyron's just gonna do this for three hours, and right. it's gonna be laughable. To th- and and he might not be that guy anymore. That doesn't mean he's not a great left tackle, but. It it is it's weird trying to kind of adjust your expectations versus like this is the best like me and Nick argued as recently as last year I was like Tyron's the best player on this roster no doubt about right. it at end of discussion for me and I certainly I don't feel that way through five uh, six games this year uh, that's not to say he's not a good player it's just something that I'm adjusting to and keeping an eye on this year right um, and that's kind of how I feel about the entire offensive line to be honest with you like they're obviously capable of dominance I mean run for 200 yards against this defense and and eat you know just chunk yardage and and Dak got sacked three times but that doesn't tell the story but so that's still really good but just again maybe not on that world beating level that we got used to seeing for a few years I think it, the the big picture take out of this is just kind of what we had said earlier is that you know you 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 have it out there now of, of what this team can do um, and and you know that every game is going to be different with different challenges. But you know if you try to make two runners out back there with Dak and, and Zeke, and kind of if they're gonna if they're gonna blitz like that, you got a big strong quarterback that can get away from it and run. And you know these, some of these eighty two yards, some of it was designed, some of it was just Dak being a good athlete. So uh, I, I I just think that you know they they are going to have different challenges every week. But this this shows you right here that. They can put up some big time points, uh, especially at home. We'll see what happens on the road, but you know, I'm not really, I'm not one to say that this is even an issue yet. I mean, a, people, a lot of people are, but I don't really think it is. Home what? versus not road. yet. Oh, home versus yeah. road. Me too. I'm, I'm kind of same way. I, I, I mean, mean there, one there, more, it's something to be, tr- it's something mm, to yeah. be aware of. Mm. I don't only, know if I necessarily think it's yet that I think only it's home because if away. if Dak doesn't get that fumble against Detroit, they probably lose to the Lions at home. They need seven more yards for Maher to get a field goal on the road. Very right. one play here and there, and then we could have had a different thing. But it's but not like they're getting see. blasted on the road and they're winning big at home. I just think it's kind of how things are falling we'll a little see. bit. That's they that's don't go, actually, they don't go on the road for a while. 
Because, I mean, this doesn't count. They win this game at home. This is a home crowd for them. I love Nick. Nick's right. just like, yeah, no, that's the way it's going to be when, because I said so. Well, I mean, Stop remember it. that game that you went to that they lost in Washington? Remember that? Nope. You I remember don't. that game you no. went to? Honestly, this no. is a different Redskins. I, well, we'll get, we'll get into that later in the week. There's plenty to discuss. Uh, I pulled, I'm, I'm, I was going to pick them to beat the Redskins even if they lost to Jacksonville 50 to nothing. Like, they beat the Redskins, but... That's what I think. I can't just act like I know that's going to happen. Your gut I mean, will change in the no. next four or five days. <laughs> no, it won't. It really No, like I'm comfortable. Like I'm picking the Cowboys to beat the Redskins today, Wednesday, Friday. I don't care. I don't just care. Just because of past experience. Just it. I mean, they, they, yeah, basically. And, and I think that matters in divisional rivalries. It doesn't matter when you're like, oh, last time they played the Texans five years ago when the two, te- like that is ridiculous. But hey, these teams know each other really well. Well, yeah. the main reason to do it, it might segue into what you're about to say is Defense is nasty. This defense is Which, really good. And that's Filthy. the point that I – that's why I made that point at the top of the show is, like, I don't know how this is going to translate to FedEx Field. Like, I have the offense. next to no confidence that they can do that again. I need to see it again. Yeah. I Even again – I mean, even when they beat Detroit at home, they scored two touchdowns. Like, they had – you know, they were right. kicking field goals left and right. I got to see more. But the defense has basically – kicked ass they were pretty sloppy in the first half against carolina first half of the season opener and after that it's been really impressive every single game. i mean i mean i know that this team doesn't always make good decisions all the time i mean no, no one does but you talk about a couple decisions that have been questioned a lot around here april drafting leighton vander first round okay so far he looks like a really damn good player cutting dan bailing and getting brett maher I mean, there were people in this room that didn't know if that was such a good idea. Yeah, but hold on, I, and I want to speak for you guys a little bit. Oh, please! I don't. I love I, it when I honestly that don't think that you guys were against the move. I think you guys were against how it went down. Yeah, right, hundred percent. Right. Yeah. So, so I, I don't think any. I don't think there were a lot of people that said, "Oh my God, you cannot do this because there's no way Brett Maher is going to be better than Dan Bailey." I just think people were upset that. It went down the way that it did. You were upset, particularly that it, it was no competition, yeah. in your opinion. Yeah, but either way, either way, if we had they, known, had they thought that Bailey was going to struggle, and they right. didn't want three million dollars on the hook if he did. Right, and so they thought this guy also could. It was machine like, and even so been, far, it's been it. Yeah. I, it's best in the league right now. Well, you were well, telling me. For, he's, he's got the best percentage among kickers who have attempted as many field goals as he's he has. He's missed like, what two? One. He's missed one. one. His and first kick. You know, wow. uh, sounds like Dan Bailey, doesn't it? Kansas City, yeah. <laughs> Kansas City's guy Butker and Graham Gano in Carolina and Matt Bryant in Atlanta are all still perfect, but, but they haven't yeah. they haven't kicked as nearly as many field goals. Mm-hmm. And he's also three of three from fifty plus, which that that puts him amazing. in very nice company. Yeah. Um, have, I agree. I appreciate you saying that. Like, I never had a problem with him being the kicker. I had a problem with the way they did it. Right. Even still, if I'd known how he'd look through six weeks, I wouldn't have. Be, I would be like, whatever. Sorry, Dan. You go gotta go. It. When you gotta go, you gotta go. I mean, and and looking at what Dan has done too, I think it it kind of just reaffirmed the fact that what they believed, which is they didn't think he was quite right, right. And and what he's done so far in Minnesota suggests he's not quite right. right. And and going back to the linebacker thing, it started before that. They had they let go of a really good player in Anthony Hitchens, yeah. and yeah, they would have had to pay the money for that, but you know they. Probably knew they were going to cut Des anyway, so they had it. But, um, you know, drafting Van Der Esch, and, and, and now I think they've got probably two of the best inside backers in the league. 
It's really, you know, yep. this is something that I've thought a lot about over the years just with how the game has changed. But, like, a lot like running back, like, you could at least try to make an argument that linebacker is becoming obsolete, at least the way that you think of linebacker play. But then you see what these two guys can do. Like, if you have the right linebackers, like super freaks, like Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith, who can, who are fast enough to do things in coverage and physical enough to handle the run, it makes a difference. And, mm-hmm. I mean, we see that with Jacksonville, too. That's part of what makes their defense so good. Yep. But if you can get your hands on those guys, you can do a lot of fun stuff. And, I like, it's easily one of the top two or three storylines of the season is how good those two look. We will talk about it later in the week, maybe tomorrow about what you do with Sean Lee when he comes back and how he integrates back into that. But you look at how these two guys have performed since he's been out. I think it's been remarkable. It's a stark contrast to what we've seen in past years when yeah. when you lose Sean Lee and the defense just goes to hell. Yeah. And it has not been that this, this year. This last game, Jalen had nine tackles and a fumble recovery. And Leighton had 10 tackles and a pass defense. And by the way, that pass defense was as good a pass coverage as you'd see from a defensive back. It looked it like Byron really, Jones. Yeah, it was it classic. Really, really good. Uh, our friend of ours, Jeff Sullivan, tweeted this morning. Uh, I didn't realize this. Leighton leads the team with 51 tackles, yep. sixth in the league. Uh, and since the NFL started tracking tackles, a rookie has never led the Cowboys. Yep. So that just gives you an idea of, I mean... He's for real. They are balling, and it's going to be interesting to see. I don't think that you can sit either one of them down. Mm -hmm. So at the best-case scenario for Sean, it's going to be a rotation, I would think. And that's a great rotation to have when you got three guys of that caliber being able to play. And maybe, just maybe, less less reps for Sean means he can stay a little more healthy and you can keep him around. You think Sean would be okay with that? Yeah, honestly, I don't think Sean's the same as, as like what Jason was, where Jason was like, Literally, they maybe try to send somebody on the field, and Jason's like, get off the field. Yeah, I don't think Sean's that guy. I don't I really think don't. Jason would have ever allowed the training camp thing to happen like that, where you miss right. so much in training camp and, and, and hold back. I mean, there, there are ways to do this. This isn't like tight end. This definitely isn't like quarterback. There's ways to, you know, Dave, you always say three guys to play two. You've got nickel situations. There are, there are uh, spots to do that and rotate these guys in. And let's not forget, I mean, it's a physical position for those two uh, young guys mm-hmm. as well. They are very physical players. I mean, I know Leighton, I, I saw it three or four times. He was Something's wrong with his hand or some issue. He kept shaking it after every play. He kept making tackles. But he's got some kind of issue there. So, you know, I, I think it'll be good on all of them to kind of rotate in there. There were also moments yesterday when Jacksonville would go three wide and the Cowboys stayed in their base defense. So that's also something to consider because they got two linebackers or really three in this instance mm-hmm. that they think cover really well. Sometimes they can stay in base, and and deep offenses can't dictate to them. You got to go to nickel when you get to three wide. They can actually keep their base defense on the field and feel like they can probably handle yep. it pretty well. Yep. All right, let's uh let's go ahead and take our final break. Uh, when we come back, we do want to dive in a little bit more with the defense and talk about some of the things they were able to do yesterday. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. While a player can look good on paper, it's when he's out on the field that you really find out what he's made of. That's why the Cowboys rely on more than stats and scouting reports when building their team. When picking a tractor, it's why you should rely on more than specs and features as well. you got to take it out and put it to the test. The Cowboys did when they named John Deere their official tractor. To experience one for yourself, visit your local Texas John 
John Deere dealer or go to myjohndeerdealer.com slash football. It's time for tailgate with the Otterbox boys. Otterbox? The makers of those crazy protective phone cases? The one and only. They're also wild about protecting parking lot parties from sad drinks. It's why they made Elevation Tumblers. Rumor around the crockpot is they're made from stainless steel with a copper lining to keep temps hot or cold. True. They even come in seven different sizes up to 64 ounce the growler. Hmm. I like how Otterbox drinks. I mean, thanks. And that's been tailgating with the Otterbox boys. Check out all the colors and sizes of their Elevation Tumblers at otterbox.com. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Playmaker, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The Playmaker includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm and a Cowboys can cooler. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word COWBOYS. The Jack Black Playmaker, 10 bucks, free shipping. Star Sports Tours is the only official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, offering exclusive game weekend travel packages with sideline access and photo ops with current players, alumni, and cheerleaders. That's not all, though. You'll get to talk X's and O's with Senior Director of Player Personnel Will McClay and, of course, with yours truly, me, Brian Broaddus. You can trust the official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and with us, you'll travel like a pro. Visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. A man's Stetson doesn't just protect him from life's elements. It projects an unstoppable and legendary spirit, just like the men wearing silver and navy on the field every Sunday. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. They are still the official crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find Stetson hats in the pro shop or at Stetson.com today. Back to the break. The Cowboys defense was amazing yesterday. They had three sacks, but when it comes to underwear, there's only (laughs) one that really counts. Put Tommy John on your waist. Make sure that you secure the boys. Make sure everything is nestled down there. There's only one way to do it. Tommy John. Shop exclusive Cowboys underwear. TommyJohn.com forward slash Cowboys. Protect the sack. Thank you, Nick. Let's get back into it. Cowboys defense yesterday. Listen to some of these numbers. They were they only gave up 204 total net yards. Um, only three of 12 possessions they allowed uh, the Jacksonville offense past midfield. Think about that. 12 times they had the ball. Only three times they even got past midfield. They only allowed first downs on nine. Uh, I'm sorry. They, they allowed one or fewer first downs on only nine of the 12 possessions. And there was only one possession in the entire game of the 12 possessions they had where the Cowboys allowed them to have two first downs. <laughs> Think about that. Not touchdowns, not field goals, like two first downs. That's what the Cowboys allowed only on one of 12 possessions That's yesterday. Your third pick it was a draft dominating, pick. absolutely dominating performance by the defense. I, I'll say it again. Like that's that. If the Cowboys are going to turn this thing around, they obviously need that. Well, turnaround sounds harsh since they're 3-3 three and three now. But if they're <laughs> going to play better, more consistently – their offense obviously has to keep doing that. But the defense being what it is is what really gives me the most confidence. Right. Defenses travel, like people like to say, and they have been consistent over six weeks. They have not let a team score more than 24 points six weeks into the season. Yep, That's pretty impressive. There are a few guys I want to point out individually. We talked about David Irving a little bit. Uh, he returned yesterday, had two tackles, one tackle for a loss, one QB hit. 
Um, how much did he play, and, and what was your assessment of his play overall uh, in those snaps? He played 22 snaps. Um, he obvi- well, obviously, much more than you would probably expect for a guy that. Yeah, actually, I asked time. him. I asked him about that after the game, and he was like, "Yeah, they told me ten to fifteen, but I knew that was a lie." Um, <laughs> which, yeah, he showed it was a lie. He, he had the juice. Um, Amber brought it up, but I, it seemed like he tapered off. You know, I'm sure he was amped. I'm sure he was excited. He, you know, we, we were talking about it before the show. He might have blocked a punt if he hadn't gotten held. I think it was their first punt of the game. Yeah, uh, he broke right through the line. So. I'm sure he kind of got worn down. He hasn't played football in a year, but if that's your first impression after a year off, I'm more than happy with it. Yeah. Yep. Let's talk about um, about Randy Gregory. Yesterday he had a sack, three tackles, two tackles for a loss. Uh, that was really the first game, in my opinion, that he kind of showed up in a way that was tangible. Yeah. What did you guys think, and, and what do you think that maybe means for the future here? Well, I mean, he, you're right. He hasn't been that consistent. Um, he got a chance to play a little bit more with um, uh, Demarcus Lawrence, kind of uh, limited with it with an injury. So, you know, I, I thought I thought he was really active. That's all that, that you're really looking to do there, especially in, in the run game. You think he's going to get around the edge and 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 create some uh, pass rush, but I thought he did a decent job in the run game, running laterally. I thought he did a nice job. Cheeto didn't play much. Uh, that was, Cheeto did not play. Did not play at all. Okay, but that being said, uh, yesterday... Wait, mention Malik Collins, too. Okay, I'm going to get to him. I'm jumping around. Well, you're in the lines. You might as well just... I'm, I'm jumping around. Okay, I'm okay. hitting everybody. Okay. But but talk to me about Jordan Lewis. Talk to me about Anthony Brown, how they performed, I guess, without Cheeto being in the lineup. I talked to Jordan last night, too. I said, is it fair to say that this has been a frustrating month for you leading up to this? And... Uh, you know, he, he did his best to downplay it. And, you know, he, he said, uh, he said, Chris Richard calls him the relief pitcher is like, we know you can play, but we need you in case one of these guys go down. And that's what happened. Cheeto hasn't been able to go in the last six or so quarters. And I thought he's, he's played great. And I'm, yeah, he recovered the fumble, but he was making tackles in space and had great coverage. One as really well. great tackle. Absolutely. In space, yeah. Uh, got them off the field on a drive that otherwise would have kept going. So, um, he was he was pretty shaky in the preseason, and obviously, you know, had the bad play against Detroit. But the way he has rebounded from that is very very impressive. Talk about Malik Collins, Amber. You want to tell us how how Malik played yesterday? <laughs> I think they did really good. Uh, taking into consideration the time that he's been out and coming off from an injury, he's had something wrapped around his knee. Since we got here, pretty much, I think I see him every day with a thing wrapped around there. So it was really nice to see him get his first sack and help in the line. I think when you put all those guys together, even including David Irving back in there, you could really see the difference that makes on the line, as well as um, Randy Gregory. I think that had a lot to do with his performance last night and how... That affects everyone on the line. It, it creates a different kind of energy, and it gets everyone going. And obviously, you can't focus, as far as the their offensive line, you can't put all your focus on one person. When you have so many great guys there, that's going to create opportunities and holes for some of your guys to break in and get to the quarterback. Yeah, Jeff Heath, he uh, got the first interception uh, of the season for the Cowboys, and uh, it was a pretty... Not, I'm sorry, huh? Season. For, yeah. 
Xavier Woods. I'm sorry, sorry. yes, yes. The first yesterday, but the second for the season. Second for the season, sorry. Um, But but it was a, I think, a needed thing that we needed to see them get some interceptions. It was a good play by Byron Jones to get the to get the the ball. What I I had this conversation last night with another beat writer. Like live, live in the moment, you're like, what a play by Byron Jones. And I think it was Leighton Vanderesh, or it was a linebacker. Yeah. Like, what a play by Byron Jones to bat that up for Heath. Then you look at it again, and you're like, oh, way to go, Heath. You're in the right spot. And by the third time I watched it, I was like, catch the ball, Byron. Come on, man. That should have been yours. Which, no, I mean, great play, Heath. It probably doesn't get returned if Byron picks it off. Yeah. But, like, catch catch the ball. Come I mean, on. that's all good. But in at the end of the day, as long as somebody intercepts yeah, it, you're I right. really don't care. I mean, you know, I mean, that's just right. But but usually don't have three guys around the ball. So what if it's just one on one? You turn around and it hits you in the face and goes down to the ground. I yeah. mean, then it's now it's a come on, man. Tonight it's, you know? it is. It's a nitpick, especially. Yeah. I mean, Jeff had a fifty yard return. It was great, and like I said, it put him in better position. But Byron probably should have had it. Yeah. And that's, but that's also what you expect from your safeties is. Being able to be in the right place at the right time is about most of the interceptions in the NFL. Most of them happen because there's a tip pass and somebody's in the right spot. Most of the time, it's a safe. Let's not forget spot. that Leighton Vanderish was also down the field, like yeah. with his hands up. And I mean, yeah. he, people he's, think I'm he's all over the field. People think I'm kidding when I call Jeff Heath the goat, and I don't know how to explain it. But like that is a that is a talent, and I don't know how to explain it. But like. He's always where he needs to be when that happens. He's he is just al- one step away from being great. I feel that he he's always close to being at the right place at the right time. And again, when you come when you talk about interceptions and stuff like that, usually it's Jeff Heath making those plays. It's and always Jeff yeah. Heath. So I don't know. He but he's always like right there, borderline. Like he's he was pissed that Woods got on the board first. He's like, I'm not giving up my <laughs> crown as reigning interception king just yet. Like. People can laugh all they want. He's always there when that when yeah. when that opportunity arises. Yep. We'll take some calls too. You guys give us a call. Number's eight 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 five five two two nine seven. Again, it is eight 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 five five two two nine seven. I will take this one comment from Twitter. Uh, Antoine Fair says uh, they were up thirty something points uh, by mid third. Um, they clearly took their foot off the pedal and pressed cruise control. The Jacks didn't stop them. I feel like the Dallas media today is throwing cold blanket on this win. I'll ask you guys, do you think that in the second half, or do you make much of the second half that the Cowboys weren't scoring as easily or as frequently, or do you think it was just one of those situations where you kind of play the game that's given to you? You get to the second half, you're up by a lot. You just play that game, and you, you play a little more conservative you know, maybe maybe in order to ensure that you don't I mean, give them you, opportunities. They manage the game perfectly. I had a couple people on Twitter say that to me, that, that it helps when you don't have to manage the game. That's not true at all. I think Garrett managed the game perfectly. They only say that, though, in, in a loss. But the only way you're going to lose that game is if you let Jacksonville's defense make a lot of plays. It's not about being conservative. It's about being smart. Blake Bortles is not going to drive the ball down the field consistently and get get you back in the game. So don't do anything stupid. Just keep running the ball, being a little bit exotic at times, make field goals, and keep um, adding on to the lead. I mean, I, I, I heard the same thing. They let their foot off the gas. If you can outscore someone 16-7 to in the second half, and that's that's with your foot off the gas – that's pretty impressive. It just shows how how much you were speeding in the first half. So I thought it was yeah, a perfect who, win. Who's throwing a cold, wet blanket on the win? Like I haven't heard that anywhere. I think if anything, what does that mean? Like people aren't 
giving the Cowboys enough credit. Like you throw oh. a wet blanket on a fire to put it out. Okay. Um, helping you out with the, you know, you. Uh, idioms, if you will. <laughs> um, I, if anything, I think people are just confused. I mean, like, you know, no, I mean, <laughs> I like the way you say that confused to go from 26th in total offense and really like not looking great in any game you've played, even to your wins 40 against the best just defense in the game. smashing the best yeah. defense. I think people are confused, but I haven't seen anybody downplaying it. And yeah, like get out of here with that taking your foot off that you won 40 to seven in the NFL. This ain't college where, you know, LSU played Southeastern and you wish the backups had played a little better after halftime. Like this is pro football. The starters are going to play until the very end of the game. Dak didn't come out until there were less than five minutes left in a 33 point win. Um, I, yeah, I thought, I mean, obviously you're not going to be going for the throat the same way when you've got a 24 point lead in the second half, but they scored two touchdowns. They forced takeaways. And then the best part, you know, it kind of it looked a little dicey in the third quarter there. What? Jacksonville had their best drive of the day. Uh, they hit D.D. Westbrook on play where, you know, they got the Cowboys out of, a, you know, they were in a bad coverage for that call. And then the Cowboys buckled down, went back, answered with a field goal, picked off Bortles on the next uh, Jacksonville possession and had a 30 to 7 lead five minutes after the fact like i don't buy that at all i thought they played great all the way through i will say this i think that maybe what he's referring to when he says that is that i don't know that there's anybody that's committed to the fact that this means that the cowboys offense has found its rhythm and they're ready to roll i think there's still some caution and some optimism i am cautiously optimistic that they will find that they will be better as we keep going but i do think there were some things in this game that were unique to this game that they may not see when they get to Washington. So I'll be interested to see how well the offense plays against the new challenges. Nick, you said a little earlier, every game's going to have its different challenges. I think the arrogance of this defense was that they were willing to try what wasn't working, and they stuck with it so long that the Cowboys just got out to such an insurmountable lead uh, that they really weren't going to – they don't have the offense that's going to come back from something like that. I don't know that you're going to run into that with the next defense that you play. Again, that's – it's still crazy to me that – you know, I mean, we've been on this show, Nick's, uh, we've all said it like the, I mean, the blueprint for stopping this team is bracketing Cole Beasley and stuff in the box to stop the run. Right. And the Jags have a better cornerback duo than anybody in the NFL. And it's just, if really that's all it is, they're so arrogant that they're like, our fifth guy can handle it. Like, yeah. then they're stupid. I mean, <laughs> well, they did for the first half. They yeah. were like, Patman's good. I, He's whatever. all right. Keep it going. Let's go. Whatever. You know. <laughs> We had talked about talking about uh, these five plays. Uh, we, have, we don't have to get to all of them, but I do think the number one that, one that I put on here was the early pass to Gallup, I think, changed a lot of things because, number one, it kind of put them in a mindset of, you know what, yeah, we can move the ball. We can make some plays here. Um, and also, it opens things up for Beasley when you start doing things like that, when you're like, at least you have it in in there to know that Gallup can go make a play or somebody down the field. I thought that was a key play for confidence, for the fans, for everybody to kind of get in the game and wondering, is this team ever going to score? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna drive the ball, and then they're not afraid. And I thought that pass right there really set the tone for a lot of things that happened the rest of the game. Yeah, and you know, the interesting part yesterday, I thought there was some really, really, and that actually they're showing it right now for you guys that are watching, that that play to Gallup that, Look at that this, should have man. been a touchdown. It was amazing that he hung in the hair right. as long as he did. You There's thought his where leg was going to come down. coming down. Right, yeah. but imagine how long that meant. He just hung in the air for an extra... <laughs> For an extra moment where your foot should come down, his foot said, nah, I'm going to stay up for a little while longer. That's on him, though, right? No, no, it's absolutely on him. All I'm saying, though, is, is, and I think that was an example of it, 
there were some moments yesterday when Dak made some really great throws. That's a good throw. I mean, yeah. some really great throws. And I talk about it a lot on this show that I'm not seeing enough of those. So I'll give him credit. Yesterday, he made some really, really great throws that a NFL quarterback has to be able to make if you're going to be successful. He did. His receivers also made some plays. I mean, obviously, Gallup didn't catch that, but that was an amazing effort. Beasley. I don't think it was his touchdown. I think it was a third down conversion. But like the ball was above him and behind him, and he just went up and got it. Like yeah. you got it. That's a part of the game too. You got to meet people halfway. Everything's not going to be perfect, right? Yeah, and yeah. and uh, it wasn't even a completion. But Alan Hearns did a great job forcing Jalen Ramsey out of bounds on that would be pick. Like yeah. the you, I mean the the stat line doesn't reflect it because Beasley was the only receiver that really had a day, but. I thought they played as well as they have all year. I agree. Nick, you got into it. Let's get to some of those other plays, the five plays um, that people might miss that they should not miss. That, that pass to Gallup was the one that started in the first quarter. Going back into the first quarter, Cowboys led 3 nothing. Jacksonville punted from their own 28 holding penalty because David Irving's probably going to block it. It was a bad punt, just 30 yards. Then, I, don't, I hate this rule, but you can add the 10 yards to the punt. I think you should get one, one or the other, but whatever. The Cowboys... Punted, the Jacksonville punted from the 28. They ended up starting at the 48. So just a 20-yard net. The Cowboys took that and went and scored. I thought that that holding punt, holding on the punt with a t- with a really you know short punt, that was that gave the Cowboys good position there. Um, Dax double dribble for a first down. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he, I don't know what's going on. The ball doesn't just bounce up to you, but it did for twice him yesterday. twice. Yeah. That was a it was about to be a five-yard loss. He gets seven yards for a first down. They go and get a touchdown on that. Uh, that later in the second quarter, this this was a huge play. Seventeen to nothing. They're about to punt. Twelve men on the field for the Jack for the Jaguars. I forgot about fourth, that. That was that fourth was and one. Was enormous. Cowboys yeah. get that five yards, go down, score. Beasley twenty four nothing at the half. I mean that that right there was the play of the game. And then after Jacksonville scored twenty four seven, you're kind of thinking, all right, they're going to go three and out. The the crowd's about, you know the the Jaguars about to get into this. Dak goes for 28 yards on that scramble. That changed everything. They went down and kicked a field goal. Um, I did watch the game last night, and I remember that D.D. Westbrook had a dropped pass with that Bortles was kind of flicked it out there. Yeah. And that was been a first down. Like he the dropped first it. first possession of the game, It maybe? was second quarter. Okay. Oh, okay. It was second quarter. But still, it, it was like 17 nothing. They needed to do something there. So that, that was kind of big, but... Those six plays right there were ones I thought kind of changed things. It's hard to find them when you're 40 to 7. I really love that obviously there was an element of designed run in the game plan for Dak, but I love that he did both. Mm-hmm. And I mean it wasn't just yeah. It needs again, it needs to be, I think. I mean that his career high before this game was only 45, which is surprising mm-hmm. to me. Wasn't it just the other day? I mean, uh, it was against, against the Giants, yeah. It was three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Um, so who who has the record for rushing yards? In? I mean, I know it was second. Staubach. Was Staubach? 90, 90 or 92, something like yeah. that. I just, yeah. you know, and he doesn't Which need, is amazing for back in that day for him to still hold that record. That's yeah. pretty pretty interesting. He, he, he doesn't need 82, but, you know, if he has 35, that's a couple key first downs and maybe a touchdown, and, and it keeps defenses guessing. I just... I think it needs to be part of what they do one, weekly. Even one, if defense is key on it, they still need to try to get it to you know get it started. One thing that hasn't really been talked about and is the injury to Tavon Austin. He left the game with a yeah, groin yeah. injury. I I don't know. Was it because of was it because of score or what did he have to leave the game? He looked I mean it doesn't look I they mean, haven't given us much of an update. Jason Garrett didn't have a lot to say about I'll be it. I'm surprised if he plays. 
he was injury for he was, a speed guy. He was on the ground for a while. Like I mean, he wasn't. He didn't. He didn't look like he was in a good way. And he went to the locker room right after. And for a guy who's that's what he that's does, that's yeah. what he does. Yeah, I would guess it might the, be Bryce that, Butler time. Yeah, and that bye week coming up, it helps. He, yeah, it, it helps, and it it kind of also just it's real easy to say, all right, let's justify Within this and weeks. not. Yeah, Which, I know we touched on this a minute ago, but we people were talking about that on Twitter last night, and I agree. Um, bye week coming up. I know he was just out here, but like I'm not in a huge hurry to put Sean Lee on the field no, if I yeah. don't have to, not, and I don't. You don't have to. Like, the way these guys are playing, you really feel like you could you could give him another week to and get right. Yeah, he's not. These guys aren't track guys like like Tavon Austin, but you know the jet sweep. I mean, you can do things with guys. I mean, Michael Gallup can run that. I mean, there are guys that can run that type of play. I don't think it has to be just out of the the play the playbook. I don't know if I want Bryce doing it, but I mean somebody it like that continues to work damn near every time they pull it out even though they don't like to. Yep. Yeah. And they I mean they've they've done it with lesser guys in the past. So I think you can get away with that. I mean there's a way to, to Parents do it. used to run it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's a way to do it. And the thing about well, it is it just keeps it just keeps the defense off balance. Mm-hmm. So even if you pick up five, six yards, I saw the Patriots last night in their game, they'd use Edelman. I think he got six yards on it. Like he's not a speedster, but the point is it just keeps the defense I think off balance. It's one extra Thompson thing in your could offense. Run that. Yeah. I, mean, I agree. Yeah. Fast guy, get him around the edge. The blueprint is going to be load up and stop Zeke from here into eternity. Yep. So anything I can do to create even a smidgen of misdirection and second guessing i want to do it yeah and i will say this too nick i want to go back to that play that you were talking about with that punt without that that penalty the cowboys give the ball back that would have been the first time in that game it's weird to believe but that would have been the first time in that game the jacksonville defense would have stopped the cowboys from scoring on a drive instead the cowboys go mm. on to a 16 play drive that took up seven minutes and 14 seconds and ended in a touchdown that gave them the three touchdowns and a field goal for the entire for all four possessions that they had there in the first half. That was, in my opinion, that was may have been the play of the game that nobody remembers. Yeah, and you know I've when I've been doing this twenty years, I haven't had an assistant coach that I like as much as Jody Camillus. He's my favorite assistant coach of all time. Yeah, and it was a tough day for him uh, for for the Jaguars. He's over there in Jacksonville. And, you know, to have the 12 men on the field and then also have that holding penalty that changed things, I mean, that that was a rough day for them. And the Cowboys did not have any penalties on special teams. There was another play, too. He tried a little trick play, uh, a little reverse. reverse. And um, they blew that up. Not only that, but but the guy got hurt, the returner, Mickens, got hurt. And then Chark. I mean, he didn't get hurt on that play, but he got hurt later. The guy, good Goodwin, C.J. Goodwin. Yes, they brought him in because he's a good gunner. Because he's a and liar. he blew up the freaking. You know, it could have been a big return if he hadn't blown it up. So, funny how that works. We've talked about pretty much everybody on this team. I'm trying to think if there's. Anybody. I was just thinking of speaking of penalties. I'm yeah. like, man, it is really crazy how literally everything was working yeah. for the Cowboys. The offense, Dak, the running game, the receivers. The offensive line, the defense, and the penalties, which we know yeah. that the Cowboys offense have made their fair <laughs> amount of penalties, which yeah. have definitely affected the game in the es- worst side of things for them. Especially when you, you're facing a defensive line like this, you, you just expect somebody to get called for holding. You yeah. expect that to happen. Holding, false start, like all those things factor in when you're playing a defense that's that good, typically. It's funny. I mean, we've talked, we talked about it on the show. We've talked about it off the air. Just like, you know, I mean, Nick, how many times has he brought up eight and eight? Like, well, this is how you get to eight and eight. And, (laughs) and 
I don't, I think 90, I'm sure, you know, there's some guy out there who picked 44 to 17. Like he knew this was coming. He knew. I, know. I want to meet that guy. I know. But I haven't heard that. He knew all along. Uh, um, Jerry, but, he's his office is up there. I don't think even in his, I, I don't think even don't Jerry either. saw that coming. But so I'm sitting, I'm, you know, if they gut out like a 24 to 20 win and the offense pretty much looks the same, like I think you probably get a whole lot of sarcastic applause, like cool. That's this is how you get to eight and eight. But like if they can do this, to that defense, it at least gives you cause for optimism that it really could be a turning point, which yes. I can't believe I'm saying that because I really I had my mind pretty firmly made up about what this team was until yesterday I, at about five o'clock. I think Sunday <laughs> Sunday's game in Washington is really going to be the, the, the turning point of the entire season one way or another. You want to stay on the eight and eight train, you go lose that game. Because then you got a week off, and Tennessee comes in, and I think you'll win that game on yeah. Monday night. Um, and you'll be at four and four at the break, and all that good stuff. But you want to get off of that train and, and actually, you know, be a team that that's going to compete for the division and all that. You got to go to Washington and win. You'd be the. I think they would be the only team. They would be the only team with two wins in the division if they can do that. Right. And, and you know, I don't. No one would have more victories than them at four. Which. Quite frankly, that's the most important thing in a division like this that's so close. Got to be. And, and it doesn't look like any of the teams are running away to the point where wild card's going to really be an option. So you're going to have to win this division. And that means the division games become the most important games. Not that they're not most seasons, but this season especially, it's going to be extremely important. I think yeah, all credit to them. No no wet blanket here. Like this was a <laughs> resounding. But yeah. but I, I got to see it again. Yeah, I got to see it. You don't know what it means for the future. You I just know no yesterday idea. they were dominant. That's right. As dominant as we've seen in a long time. Yep. All right, we appreciate you guys joining us. We're back tomorrow. We'll look, take a big picture look at this team. How they look around the NFL, what's happening in the NFC East. Till then, for Nick Eatman, Dave Helm, and Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about you, Cowboys?